we're the World Prayer Network. It's a news organization, but it's a it's a news slash prayer organization. Many years ago, my sister's email address was Pray the News, and that's basically what we do: where we hear the news and we pray into it. You're going to hear quite a remarkable story tonight about a country that most of us have never been to, and tragically, we're not following the news, the very painful news coming out of that country. If you don't know about the news, then you certainly don't pray the news. <clears throat> you don't focus on it. We're going to hear from the country of Sudan, and there's a reason why you ought to care. Your Christian brothers and sisters are in great pain, great suffering, and some this very moment, as we're in the safety of our homes, uh, they're in, in situations of peril. And so it's going to touch our hearts deeply to hear the tragedies are unfolding there and why we need to stand in the gap on behalf of the nation of Sudan and particularly our Christian brothers and sisters are there. <clears throat> You're going to hear from an Anglican bishop. <clears throat> I want to tell you just for a moment why this Anglican bishop and others like him in, in, across Africa are heroes to many of us. Just to give a quick overview of a thumbnail sketch of history, church history, in a couple sentences, the Roman Catholic Church really formulates around the year 590 AD. By the time we get to 1517, that's the classic data marking the beginning of the Protestant Reformation. In England, it continued to be Catholic until the, the 1500s. Now, in the 1500s, uh, there was a shift that took place at that point, uh, 1517 in Germany, but a little bit later, slightly later in the 1500s in, in England. Uh, when, when by a decision of the king, effectively, he removed the church there, and it'd be no, no longer the Roman Catholic Church, but the Church of England, or the Anglican Church. From the Anglican Church came a person named John Wesley. He spawned the Methodist Church. He didn't call it, he didn't want to call it that, but they were nicknamed Methodists, and, and the name stuck, and he began using, he said, we are the people called Methodists. The Methodist movement was one of the greatest explosions of the Spirit of God uh, of all of history. I did my doctoral dissertation on British and, and American Methodism. It is a staggering story of a powerful wave of the Holy Spirit. It was is really quite amazing. As we go further in time, as we go further in time, then suddenly we have a situation where, as liberalism began to hit various denominations, it impacted both the Methodist Church in America and the, the American version of the Anglican Church or Episcopal Church in Britain. And so the Episcopal Church of the United States and the Methodist Church of the United States, to a large extent, became very liberal, dis, disjointed from their biblical roots. And that's why we have uh, homosexual priests and homosexual bishops and that kind of thing. The result is uh, probably, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to guess, maybe a fourth of the churches in, in Methodist Church in America are conservative, and they're splitting away the global Methodist movement or the Wesleyan Covenant movement, splitting away, and that's happening right now in the midst of that. Many, many churches leaving the very liberal and, and biblically defying uh, United Methodist Church, which is neither United nor Methodist nor church. And now, at the same time, the Episcopal Church went through the same thing. And it's but more Episcopal and Anglican, Anglican being the more conservative that held the biblical truths. The reason why I tell you this is the bishops in Africa, in both denominations, 
in Methodist and Episcopal were the ones that held their, their particular religious bodies steady. The, they have taken a tremendous beating from the left-wing woke American bishops. There, there are a few good ones, but not very many. And, and, and what these African bishops, Anglican and, and, and the bishop ones, and the Methodist ones as well, have gone through is quite amazing. Literally, General Conference of the Methodist Church, where they discuss homosexuality, and a riot would break out on the floor where the radical homosexuals would take control it, because the bishops in, and the delegates from Africa held the church steady convictionally on its issues. I'm just painting that picture with broad strokes right now, intentionally so you understand the guests we're about to have on. I would be class, I'd classify him as one of the heroes as are many of the bishops in Africa of, of, of Methodist denomination and the Anglican denomination who have held steady in the midst of an incredible storm. But the storm we're talking about tonight is not the storm of the battles on those issues. It's what is happening to a country. And this bishop can give you a, a firsthand report. Get ready to be prepared to pray that we have a breakthrough. Now, before the bishop shares, we've asked Faith McDonald to share. Faith, I want you to take the first minute and tell a little bit about yourself, the first minute. And, and number one, how is it? You've been in so many countries. You're connected with people all over the globe, about as good as anybody I know. And so tell people what you do, how it is that you know kind of everybody everywhere. And, and then secondly, Faith, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, just for a moment of humor, you're the first woman who has told me directly that you have a crush on Senator Josh Hawley. And so I have announced that to the whole world now, hoping Josh Hawley will hear this and be impressed that Faith McDonald has a crush on him. <laughs> Faith, with that very pathetic introduction right now, sorry, Faith, I could not resist. Um, Tell us about yourself. Welcome. That's quite all right. Thank you so much, Jim. It's great to, to be with everybody. And I'm one of those who's been on the prayer calls since the first time. So uh, you you all have kept me sane all these months and years. And uh, um, I, uh, I, I work with advocacy for persecuted Christians around the world. And in order to be doing it as long as I have been doing it, you have to build relationships. It can't just be an issue. It has to be about people. So that's how I've gotten to know people all over the world, um, because uh, they are the ones who, who I'm doing advocacy for, and they are the ones who I want to know and to see their faces in my mind when I pray for them. So, and the place, one of the places that's closest to my heart is Sudan and South Sudan. Very good. I, I so appreciate what you bring to the table on this. Uh, Faith, give us an overview. This is going to be a tough one to hear, an overview of what's happening. And then I'm going to have you introduce uh, uh, Bishop Andudu Ernail so everyone can know about him. And then we hear from him and from his heart. Great. Thank you. Thank you, Jim. Yes. Um, before you hear from my dear friend, Bishop Ndudu, it's good for you to get a little bit of background on Sudan, um, because uh, some people don't even realize there are two countries, Sudan and South Sudan. And it's important to see how that happened and what has led to what's happening today. So Tristan, let's put on the first screen. 
you're ahead of me, Tristan. Thank you. <laughs> so we're going to talk about Sudan and South Sudan and U.S. policy, which could have done a lot more for the, the countries than it has done. But there are faulty worldviews when it comes to Sudan, especially. So next. Um, and what you need to know is that the agenda of that country, of its government and of its, its elite, the agenda of Khartoum, is the total Islamization and Arabization of Sudan. So what you need to remember about Sudan is religious and racial. It has to do with the religious uh, identity being all Muslim all the time is what they want and being racial in that it, the Arab Arabized Sudanese believe they're superior to the African Sudanese. Um, then some of the strategies that have kept that government going for so long are deception. And you'll Bishop can tell you much more about that. But they use what they call a charm offensive, or we call a charm offensive, in that they um, they promise one thing and do another. They say one thing in Arab and another thing in, in English. They've used delay tactics. They use a shell game where we're looking at the atrocities going on in South Sudan. Meanwhile, they're doing something in Darfur. Then we look at Darfur and they're doing something in the Nuba Mountains. So um, that that works to also be a strategy for them. And Khartoum divides its enemy. It has divided the people who should be standing together against it so that they're fighting each other. And they call it use a slave to kill a slave rather than their own forces. Next. So that's the, 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 the way Sudan has looked at things and U.S. policy, which has been very generous and compassionate and given and given and given all these years to help the victims, but it's never really acknowledged or stopped the victimization of the people. Um, it, it was like an early version of woke or politically correct. We don't say, you know, why the bad guys are doing what they're doing. Um, so we have consistently underestimated the evil of, of the Sudanese government. We've treated genocide as only a humanitarian issue when it's so much more because we've had a faulty perception of Sudan's ideology and we've ignored the warnings of the marginalized people, which is 90% of the country. Um, the 10% elitists are the ones who rule the nation, but the marginalized people take up 90% of the country. Okay. Next. So here's a map that'll just show you in case you were wondering where the division is, where Sudan becomes South Sudan. You can see that red line that shows you and the area where uh, the, the capital Khartoum up in the, um, the top half there is where the fighting began with two generals, both of them as evil as they come, who are vying for control of the country. Next. Um, and going back, the, having this control uh, has to do, again, with this, this Islamization and Arabization, which started many, many years ago, but 
led to genocide in 1989 in southern Sudan with what they called the Civilization Project. You weren't civilized if you weren't an Arab Islamist. So at that point, the Southerners um, launched the Sudan People's Liberation Movement and Army to try to counter that and defend the people of South Sudan and to stop the spread of Islam and the caliphate throughout Africa. Next. Um, yeah, what we're going, there we go. Yeah. Um, and we won't get into all this just to say that this has been the, the modus operandi of Khartoum for years. The genocide from the, the 1989 war led to over 2 million people killed, although it was never uh, designated, declared a genocide the way Darfur was. And even that shows you something because um, we weren't willing to say that the death of 2 million, almost all Christians was a genocide, but we were willing to, our government was willing to say genocide in Darfur because it was Muslims who were being killed. Next. And we'll go on to that in a minute, but I just want to say that the government of the U.S. has been involved in some wonderful things. In 2002, we passed the Sudan Peace Act in Congress, which led to 2005 being the comprehensive peace agreement between Sudan and the army that was defending South Sudan, the Sudan People's Liberation Army. And one of the parts of that agreement was that South Sudan had the decision to leave if they wanted to, if they voted and 99.9% .9 of the people decided to leave Sudan and become South Sudan. So this picture, this is Juba, South Sudan, the Nile flying from Juba to Yida refugee camp because at that point when South Sudan became a Christian, uh, became a nation um, and a Christian nation at that, um, Khartoum started attacking the people of the Nuba Mountains, which is where Bishop Ndudu is from, because they helped, they stood right alongside and fought with the Southerners, but they didn't get freedom the way the South did. And that was another big uh, mistake we made because South uh, Nuba Mountains has the best leader who should be the president of all of Sudan, um, but we were not willing to take sides. We wanted to be very totally inclusive of all the different factions, which is the reason why we have this problem with Hameti and Burhan, these two generals today. Next. Um, just flying, I just wanted to show you this because this is so beautiful and shows you God's beauty in South Sudan. This is a giant wetland in South Sudan called the Sud. It's 2,200 miles big, and it's the reason why South Sudan is so fertile and has such organic soil. So you fly over that and then next. Um, we get into Yida refugee camp where many of the Nuba had to flee. They fleed over the border from Sudan into South Sudan to, to the very top to this refugee camp because Sudan, Khartoum, was bombing them. Aerial bombardment, rolling plane uh, bombs out of the planes, out of Russian Antonov planes, which is what they're doing again today um, in the conflict that's going on in their own nation uh, of Sudan this time, even, even in Khartoum. Okay, next. 
That's Commander Abdelaziz, who I mentioned to you, and, and Bishop knows him well. Um, he is the man who's the leader of the Nuba people and the Sudan People's Liberation Army North. And I really think he's a closet Christian. He's a Muslim, but he rejoices every time his people go to church and get saved. So um, I think there's a lot more to Abdelaziz than meets the eye. Next. And that's a Darfurian refugee camp. We know that Sudan has also um, just wrecked Darfur, which is on the west side. The Darfurians also wanted freedom. So uh, the genocide, another genocide started against them. And this general who is doing the war right now against the Sudan armed forces, General Hamati, is, is the general who was put in charge of the killing in Darfur. His group, the Rapid Support Forces, um, is, uh, is, is a paramilitary group that was started by the government of Sudan that they're fighting against now. But they were there to assist the government of Sudan in the killings and the, the taking over of Darfur. So these people are in refugee camps because of General Hameti. Next. Um, just a little bit to show you how what Sudan thinks about these things. Um, just down at the bottom, this was a leaked document from a meeting of the government of Sudan. They said, we need to find students of South Sudan who are members of the Islamic State to provide assistance to those coming from the Middle East into the jungles. So you have not only Sudanese fighting the Sudanese, but you have people from other countries coming in, Libya, um, Central African Republic and the Middle East. Next. And this was um, when when Sudan allowed South Sudan to go, they just one of the rewards they were supposed to get was for us to lift our sanctions against them, the U.S. sanctions. And when it didn't happen fast enough for them, they had a big demonstration outside the White House. And what it didn't make a big deal to the news or even to our government because they didn't really know the impact of it. But this was actually a declaration of jihad against the United States. Next. This guy in the funny clothes, we think, oh, wow, you know, that's odd. Well, that was the clothing my Darfurians told me, uh, my Darfurian friends told me that you wear when you are declaring jihad. So this was right outside our White House and nobody knew what was going on um, next. And here again is General Hameti, the, the head of the Rapid Support Forces. At the time of that demonstration, he sent a message to his supporters who were out in front of the White House saying, don't worry, the time is going to come when we are going to make the United States Congress our slaves and the wives of the congressmen our sex slaves. So that shows you what Hameti thinks of the United States. Next. 
And there they are, General General Hameti and General Burhan. They were working together, supposedly, when, when Sudan changed and became reformed and got rid of Omar al-Bashir, and suddenly everything was supposed to be sweetness and light. Um, but the army was in charge of the government. They were supposed to turn it over to the civilians, but they never have. And in fact, they were supposed to integrate the paramilitary killers, the rapid support forces, into the regular army. And the only thing that has kept that from happening is the egos of those two men, which I don't know if it's bad or good. It's it's evil either way. Next. Uh, wait a minute, Faith, before we leave the picture, sure. just for clarification. So we're all tracking with you. Let's go back one picture. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, we, we know that Sudan and South Sudan, they divided, was it 2011? 2011 was the vote. Yes. Okay. And but what we're talking about now is not South Sudan. We're talking no. about Sudan. This is all Sudan. And, yep. and, and these two military leaders, their uniforms, they're, they're both they're both Arab Muslims. Is that right? Yes. And their uniforms are different. Are they from different branches? of the military? Yeah, because General Hameti with the lighter uniform, he's the head of the Rapid Support Forces. So they're a paramilitary group that was created by the government of Sudan to kill the Darfurians. They were the Janjaweed, the devils on horseback who killed people in Darfur. But now they're fighting with General Burhan, the one on the right, who's the head of the Sudan Armed Forces, the regular army of Sudan for power, for control over all of Sudan, because they don't intend to give any power over to a civilian government. They, they're going to keep it a military dictatorship if they can, unless the hand of the Lord steps in, which is what we're praying for. Now, the battle we're talking about now is in the city of Khartoum and in the Nuba Mountains, as I understand it. Uh, but the, 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 the you refer to Darfur. Help refresh people's mind on Darfur a little bit. Uh, what year well, that took place and what happened actually there? Yeah, the Darfur situation started around 2004 or five, And when the Darfurians saw that the Southerners were going to be given an opportunity to have freedom, they wanted freedom too. So um, because they had, been, even though they were Muslims, they had been ill-treated by the government too, because they're African tribal people. They're not Islamist or Arab. So um, the Darfurians started the fighting and Khartoum came in to crush them, sent General Hameti to crush them. And uh, they're in refugee camps now. Their land has been taken by people who have come in from other countries to take their land. It's it's huge. And people just don't seem to understand, even in our government and, and in other governments, the impact of all that's that's going on. Is this, is Sudan sort of the main sort of clash point or meeting points where those who are from Africa are present, but those from Arab are pressing in more from the north and from the east and, and their populations are increasing as they migrate further. Is that south? Is that an oversimplification? Um, it's not an oversimplification, but it, it's uh, it's it's not 
completely right. The um, even when when our missionaries were in Sudan, they were in the south because the 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 African more African tribal groups are in the south. There were already uh, more Arabized people in the north um, from you know the the being right near Egypt and everything. Um, and the the even even the British government when it came into to Sudan uh, treated them as oh they're the ones that we're going to train and educate because they they look more like us it was a racism thing and the Africans in the south they sent the missionaries to so the south of Sudan became more Christian um, but you know we could go back and even look at the the, the so-called Ethiopian eunuch who was actually from Sudan when the kingdoms of Sudan were Christian in 600, 700 and held off the uh, the Islamic invaders for 100 years before it finally fell to Islam. I mean, I, we could do a lot, but we're not uh, going to no, do that. That's very important what she just said. I know we can't park here, but just if you got a, a northern band across Africa, that was a that was a kind of a cradle of Christianity. There was incredible institutions of the Christian faith across there. And within a short span of time, Islam gets going in the 600s and 700s. And then you have, I don't know, I've heard reports, it could have been a million Christians killed across that northern band uh, of Africa. Mm -hmm. And then it becomes Islamicized. Now, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm probably stating it way too simply, but so you understand this goes back a lot of years and we're reaping the rewards of this horrific migration, military migration into Africa. Faith, go right ahead. Okay, yeah, and a lot of those Nubian Christians from 600, 700 area when, when Islam finally took over, they fled to the Nuba Mountains, and that's where Bishop Ndudu's people come from. So, okay, next. Okay, that's the same guys again. Burhan, uh, the Sudan Armed Forces, and Hameti, the Rapid Support Forces. Both evil, next. So this is what Khartoum is looking like now. And the fighting is going on in Khartoum because that's the capital. They want to, uh, Hameti's trying to take over the presidential palace um, and uh, all, all of, of Khartoum. They're also fighting in some other areas. They're not in the Nuba Mountains right now, thanks be to God. Um, because the Nuba, well, one thing they've got, General Abdelaziz, who I told you about, and they're tough and they will fight back. Um, and it's harder to access as well. And, um, uh, but they're in some other areas. Okay, next. And this will just give you some ideas of what's going on in, in Khartoum. What I've heard now is at least 500 dead. That was yesterday. Um, in, you know, they, they don't care how many civilians they kill in, in this conflict. Um, it's these two generals. It's, you know, this, the, the proverb about when elephants fight, the grass gets tra trampled and the people are being trampled because they don't care about them. Next. Next. Yeah, there we go. Another scene of, of Khartoum. And the this is what uh, the rapid support forces have done to destroy aircraft in Khartoum to try to get people from getting out. Now, the U.S. Embassy 
people got out. And uh, there's still something like 16,000 Americans who are still in in Sudan who have not been able to get out. I do want to tell you a great praise report that our we have an uh, American Anglican missionary couple with six children, the sixth of which was born on this past Good Friday. So and they had to get out of Khartoum. And we had people praying for them as far as as all over the world. But the Anglicans gathered in Rwanda, the 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 just recently we're praying for them and uh we managed to get them out they got connected to a convoy from samaritan's purse that was leaving the city to escape as well and uh we had a driver for them the driver got to a no-go area and couldn't go any further they got into a rickshaw and all eight of them made it in a rickshaw just before the bus was taking off so they've they've managed to get to where they needed to go, which as missionaries, they were going to an unreached people group that is outside of Port Sudan. And so where did they end up going for safety? Port Sudan. So this is definitely an act of God and an answer to prayer. So we need to pray for more of these miracles that we will hear that God is doing. And I'll end my time before I introduce the bishop, just the bishop's boss, the archbishop, the Anglican archbishop of Sudan, uh, Archbishop Ezekiel Kondo prayed this at the the other day lord of lords and king of kings god of all blessings and grace we raise our country sudan in your hands enter with your divine power stop the blood of your innocent daughters and sons touch the hearts of both parties to see the efforts of your people in this great country we ask this in the name of our savior the lord jesus christ amen now I'm very pleased to introduce Bishop Ndudu Adam Elnail, who's my dear friend. And uh, we're going to start with a little video that uh, he made of a testimony of God's goodness in Nuba Mountains when Nuba Mountains was under attack. And then the bishop will speak. We are in uh, the Ondu Parish in Lera. Uh, this is one of the center and the biggest and oldest church in this area. Um, in year 2015, when I visited Nuba Mountains in the time of war, we have thousands of people in this background. They were here because the church cannot contain us. We are too many and uh, I was preaching and we are in open air. So while I was preaching, then the Antinov comes. Antinov is the plane that throws the bombs. And especially if they see many people like that, they will be happy. Uh, I don't know really what to do, but I prayed very short prayer while I, I preaching. I said, God blind these people. And uh, because it was coming from back of the people, people did not see because I was facing it, they have seen it first. And maybe the leader who were, they were in front with me. So God answered the prayer instantly. These people, they did not see 
the 2,000 people. After two minutes, then we had bombs in, the, in Heban, in the countryside. And uh, I was very impressed and grateful that God had listened to us in times like that. friend, Bishop Ad, Andudu Adam Elnail, who is the Bishop of Kadugli in the Nuba Mountains of Sudan, the Anglican Bishop. So, Bishop, the floor is yours. Yeah, thank you, Faith, for very good introduction about the history of the Sudan, and which is not actually in the media, um, because the government of Sudan trying to uh, conceal it from people not to know. And uh, what is going on now in the Sudan, it has started for a long time ago uh, for the Islamic government uh, since 1955. And we have been suffering uh, like uh, many years. Uh, the government, the former government of Sudan, they wanted to kill me three times, but God was saving me. And uh, where I am in the Nuba Mountains, I was kicked out from Sudan uh, 12 years ago. And we are serving in the rural areas in, uh, where we have many people under the opposition uh, leader of uh, Abdulaziz. Um, I know the government had something. They don't want Christians. They, they, they destroy my schools and my house and all this. Uh, in attempt of killing and uh, stopping Christianity, but that was their mistake. Now in the Nuba Mountains, uh, uh, it is an area which is controlled by the opposition um, leaders and army. The government cannot come there. When I'm talking about the government, like now Hemeti and, uh, and Al-Burhan. So that area, I have been there for 12 years. I have never seen any bishop in that area. It's the area of uh, 1.5 million people um, serving there um, under the uh, rebels area, uh, but the, there is no anybody there as uh, archbishop cannot visit there. My bishop's colleagues, I'm the only bishop there of the Anglican church, uh, but God is doing a lot of good things. Even though we have problems that in the former president have been bombing the people of Nova Mountains um, like uh, 10 years, uh, we had bombardment and uh, many churches was destroyed, many Christian were, died, were killed. Um, there is no enough food, there is no enough water, um, but there is only one good thing. And that one good thing is the church. The church is growing every year, I got over a thousand new people, which is coming to the church. In the Anglican, we have a confirmation for people to kneel, but because there are too many, they don't kneel anymore. They stand and just place the two hands. 
many Muslims now they have changed. In that world, uh, small place, we have freedom of religion. If you are Muslim, you want to become a, a Christian, is welcome. But you cannot do that in Khartoum. So that's why many Muslims now they are coming to Christianity. And also the witch doctors, this is powerful people working with evils, evil powers. We had uh, last January, one man who was a witch doctor. This guy is very powerful. When he speaks, the rocks will be shaking. The mounds will be shaking. And that man now is a Christian, he's a fellow Christian. I have his photo, I'm trying to do a short video and then I will send it to other people. So there is a lot of amazing things going on in the Nuba Mountains. Uh, uh, and we, we, we stood very firm with the Bible. I know people, they're trying to bend us to go to the side of Canterbury, but we are not going to go there. We'll stand with the authority of the Bible and we will preach the Bible. So what's going on in the cartoon now is the two leaders now are fighting. They are not in the Nuba Mountains, but is the government control area. This is where the fighting is taking place in Khartoum, the capital of Sudan. Um, many people have died already. And uh, these two guys, they, they, they're competing. Uh, anybody, each one want to become um, a leader. And then they have been fighting for now almost 10 days. Um, what's happening there, I was talking to the Archbishop uh, Ezekiel, who's supposed to come to um, GovCon meeting in Kigali, but because the airport was closed. So, and they have been trapped in the office, uh, provincial office for three days. And then the um, rapid support uh, army, they get in and I think what I heard, they destroyed some cars and they were trying to get into the offices, but I don't know, they don't know what happened after because they were taken out and then they don't know what is happening. And then there is another incident for the church, uh, evangelical church in North Khartoum was bombed and was completely uh, burned down. For Sudanese now are suffering, especially the civilians. Many of them, they killed in the streets, even they cannot bury their deaths. And also um, there is uh, uh, a lot of uh, hunger because the food is not there and there is no uh, free movement, people fear. Um, electricity is cut off some places, the internet, some places the water and people have scared. They have never seen something like that. For us, at least in Nuba Mountains, we experienced this years and years, but now this is one week, it is very tough on the people. And these are the people who are sent, they will send the food in Khartoum, they send the food to the soldiers to come to Nuba Mountains to kill us. And we pray that God will stop this war um, uh, so that we have a sustainable peace. We, my, my, some of my prayer requests that you want to ask to pray for, we pray for the ceasefire first. It is li likely is holding now. Uh, but this is the last day. This is the last day. I know many people were evacuated, especially the missionaries from the US. We have been in communication with some people on the ground and until uh, yesterday night, yesterday at 10, somebody told me they are about to reach to uh, Port Sudan. 
And uh, I want also, we, we pray for the people who are fleeing now, Khartoum. And uh, we have already some people trapped in the Nuba Mountains. They cannot come to Khartoum. Like the wife of the Archbishop is in the Nuba Mountains. And we have many people, some are they coming from Australia. And, and many are they, they are coming now to the Nuba Mountains. So they will need relief, they will need food. And this is uh, something that would be very tough. And also, we, we, I want us to pray for the gospel to continue to spread. With, um, people who are coming, uh, we want them to be able to uh, learn uh, the Bible. You know, the, there are many people, but the biblical um, Bible education is very low. We have many people, they have faith. There are many, but we need uh, training and teaching. This is some of the areas we want us to play. And also, we, I want you to pray for me. I've been uh, traveling many places, and uh, the area is tough. I need the prayer either for my body and for uh, my work in the Nuba Mountains. Um, maybe we'll stop here. If somebody have a question or something needs to be clarified, uh, I can do that. And my understanding is the Nuba Mountains that you refer to, those are south of Khartoum, uh, about yes. halfway from there to the South Sudan border. Is that accurate? Yes, yes. We are from south of the Republic of Sudan, and then we are north of the Republic of South Sudan. We are in the middle, in the middle uh, area closed. The roads to this area is really very closed. We have to go on land because the government don't want to see any plane in that area. And there is no any uh, humanitarian organization in that area. It was banned up to this time. Uh, but people are strong uh, in faith. Uh, I know there is a lack of many things. There is no electricity. There is no power. There is no banks. There is no anything. Uh, it's, we like living in the stone age area if you want to call somebody you cannot call you have to go to him in in physical if he's there then it's okay and if it's not you come back and then you go another day so there is no any communication there is very difficult um but the work of god is spreading very well I, i'm stunned bishop given all you're going through and your people are going through you are so remarkably poised and calm in the midst of um, about as bad as the situation as I can imagine. Our nation hears all about Ukraine all the time, but you are correct. The story of Sudan is not being told. I just saw a crawler go across the bottom of the screen on Friday saying that the U.S. Embassy had been finally evacuated in Sudan on Friday. <clears throat> but that was the first that I can recall on national media. So I'm so grateful for you getting up in the middle of the night, coming on, to help alert us how to pray, act, and, and way, ways we can give. Towards, there's not a humanitarian organization there, but if there's some way, Faith, I'm going to turn to you to, to, to pose the questions, because I think your questions will be much more laser beam than mine will. I'll go to Mario in just a minute, but Faith, if you want to ask some questions of the bishop, and, and part of my, my reason for that is, Faith, we need to know how to activate both in prayer and then whatever else we can do. Is there ways that people can give and financially get funds somehow to
to people who don't have water, food, etc., and are exposed to this kind of condition, faith. Mm. Oh, thank you, Jim. Yeah, Bishop. Um, what what is the best way to to give to you? That is a. Would it be through new wine skins, through um, something like that? Yeah, that that would be good. I was with Jenny in the Kigali. She knows what's going on. All of us, we are teaming up together to help the missionaries, those who are trapped in Khartoum. I think new ice skins would be something good to, to, to help. Uh, or you go through Baxter uh, for Nuba. This is a new Hi. organization for, um, led by Mike. This is one of the area, and, and, and this will be really very helpful to anything small or big will help the people, especially mm -hmm. those who will be joining, who are in, trapped in the Nuba Mountains and who are on the way coming. Because now Nuba Mountains is like some better place for them. Yeah, I think that's, uh, that's the area, um, two places where you can, you can do support. Okay, we'll get the, the... Maybe, maybe you will be able to give them the the information or the written addresses. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't have them here now. Mm, I yeah, I can I can get them. I can I can put the um the website for um new wineskins uh, Anglican persecuted church network where you can give. Um, I can give the link for that right now. But Pax Pax Nuba, what is the Pax Day for Nuba. Pax Day for Nuba. Um, yeah. And we can find out the, the link for that as well, Jim. Thank so we, uh, we have several social media platforms, and the one you're on right now is not being seen by all the people on Subsplash and, the, and, and Facebook and such. So uh, are you able to give it verbally and slowly? Uh, because unfortunately, if you type it in right now, uh, there's only a few that are going to see it because we're on other social medias, and that's where most of our crowd is. Right. Yeah, the majority of them are on Subsplash, and, and, and there's several hundreds there, and probably a, a couple hundred, and then there's about five to 6,000 that watch uh, tomorrow and the next day. Mm -hmm. And then we send the link out to about 73,000 people. But I need, I need you to probably spell it out uh, if you can. Mm -hmm. uh, if, you can if you can look for that. Uh, Bishop, are you, yeah. <clears throat> you have had attacks, I mean, uh, attempts on your life. Are you, you don't have to answer this if you don't want to. Are you in a position right now where you're potentially physically threatened, or at least at this moment, are you in a reasonably safe place? Um, uh, we, we, we don't, uh, the government attempted to kill me three, three times. And now I don't, I don't talk about safety. Um, because I'm in the blacklist of the government. Anytime they get me, they will not leave me. Okay. Um, okay. But God is protecting me, uh, I believe. And when I'm in Nuba Mountains, through this bombardment and all difficult things, God gave me something unique, gave me the peace which passes understanding. I experienced that peace. And that peace have nothing to do with the guns around you or the bombardment. When I'm in Nuba Mountains, God give me peace. I'm, I'm very peaceful. And I have not never stopped all this time. Uh, I, I continue to sit there. Even sometimes I come out, but I continue to sit there. 
Um, that's the former government, and I don't know what this government they're going to do, but we're still in the Nuba Mountains, and uh, we're still locked there still. We have not had a peace yet. Are you able to share the link verbally, slowly, yes. because uh, we don't have the capacity right now to put it on all the different social media platforms we're on right this moment? Can you yes. share it? And it's uh, oh well, Tristan's got the the website. Yes, this is this is the place. It's Pox Day for Nuba, and um, to spell it out, if people can't see it up at the top, it's just P D number four N dot org. Okay, thank you, Tristan, for bringing it up because now mm -hmm. everybody, uh, that's the way to get it to work. Everybody, thank you, Tristan, for doing that. So Pox Day for Nuba. And uh, and they go there and there's a, there's a donate button right there. Uh, Bishop, that's the best and quickest and easiest and fastest way to get funds to you to help with the situation. Is that accurate? Yeah, yeah, yes. Okay, I'm very encouraged you were able to find that, Tristan, and pull it up on the screen. Uh, folks, one, one more time, PAX, P-A-X, uh, D-E-I, well, oh, oh, I guess I should just give you, yeah, P-D and the number four and the letter N dot org. PD number four letter N dot org and there you find Pax Day for Anuba. Thank you so much, Tristan and and Faith uh, Bishop. What is what should we have covered that we have not covered? And then Faith, I want you to whatever you want to add to that. And then Mario, we think we've got a connection with Mario that's working now, so he may have some questions as well. Let's go first of all, uh, Bishop, just to you personally. What do you want to share with us that we haven't had a chance to cover yet? Yeah, I just uh, want people to share our gratitude and thanks with us in the Nuba Mountains. I, there is a lot of bad news going on in the world, but we have good news in the Nuba Mountains that the Lord is doing a lot of good things. This is one good things you know. Many people are coming. Evil spirits are are driven out, and many good things are happening into the church. And also, one of the things is uh, I want to people to know about education. Education in Nova Mountains we, is very difficult. Um, we are getting books from South Sudan, and. Uh, there is no actually uh, physical buildings. We, we have um, many schools, children are uh, taught under the trees. They have classes under the trees. So this is one of the area really we, we want people to support because this is part of the government policy. They don't, they're destroying schools. We, we have many schools from Episcopal church. Uh, church schools were destroyed because the, the government want to keep people in ignorance to be able to manipulate them. This is part of the reasons of the war. Um, we, we really need education, primary and secondary. That's very helpful. Faith, what, what questions do you want to add to the, to the, to the bishop? Oh, thank you, Jim. Um, bishop, in my um, remembrance, um, well, uh, when I was working to help get the Sudan Peace Act passed. And then we came to the Comprehensive Peace Agreement. Um, before that, we had the um, benchmarks 
that were that cartoon was supposed to follow and one of those benchmarks had to do um, that Senator John Danforth, who was the first Sudan special envoy from the United States, he said, we have to stop the the killing in the Nuba mountains, we have to stop the bombing and really um, if it hadn't been for that the Nuba would have been wiped out, I think. Um, can you tell the people how many Nuba were killed by the government of Sudan in those years? Like what was a, would be a total number of people? Yeah, um, the, num the number exactly is, is not known. There was uh, uh, local people trying to know, but uh, I think uh, we'll have over, 10,000 people killed in this in this time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because the, the bombardment is just indiscriminate. They just throw bombs and they kill uh, whoever they found. And uh, and even shelling, is shelling was the dangerous one. They throw the, the rockets to the Nova Mountains and, and they kill people. Many houses were destroyed, even the churches. Uh, they were not safe place to worship. Sometimes we worship in the morning, early morning, and sometimes we we don't worship at all if the bombardment is extensive. Sometimes they bomb people all the day, but God is gracious. Most of the bombs fall in the forest. Yeah, yeah some of them, they kill people, but we have a lot of testimony about God's protection. Uh, in one of the schools, uh, two bombs there fall in the school, right in the school, but they they did not explode. Mm. So this is, this is God's uh, God's hand, you know. Amen. And I know one of the one of the reasons why so many people have died, though, is because there hasn't been a, there's been a lack of medical care. And as far as I remember, there's only one hospital in all of the Nuba Mountains, right? Mother of Mercy Hospital that uh, Father or Dr. Tom from the United States was the uh, head of. Yeah, we still have uh, one hospital in the Nuba Mountains, over 1.5 or more people, million people who are in just for one uh, hospital. And the road is too far. People can walk there because there is no transport. You carry people in the bed and then you work for almost a, a half day and uh, many people died on the way. And uh, we have some clinics, but the clinics, uh, they don't have always medicine. And if they have medicine, they open, and if not, they, they, they close. Uh, some of the people in, from Nuba, those who are in, um, abroad, they were able to send a few boxes to the people, and we were very grateful, but we still, we still need a, a health. Um, services. There's, there's a lot of many things are still bad. Schools, health, self health, health services, and uh, water. We we don't we don't have uh, um, safe drinking water. Uh, this is some of the things we're still going on, and uh, it is hard. It is hard, but God is with us. Okay. Just one one more quick thing from me um, about uh, the fact that. Um, Oh, now I've totally lost it. So never mind. Well, you, you think about it. You, you, let me know when you think recall. Okay, it. Thank uh, you. I, I was just, I was not familiar with the Nuba Mountain area. 
uh, folks. So we just know it's it's an area about 40 miles by 90 miles in size. It's 19,000 square miles, million and a half people, as the bishop already told us. Altitude of the mountains ranges from as low as 1,500 to 3,000. And as and I was just reading about it now because I was not familiar. And, and as he's already indicated, many of these villages are connected only with, with pathways. Uh, Mario, I think we've got a good connection with you now. What thoughts yeah. or questions do you have for the bishop? Yeah, can you hear me? I can. Yes. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah, these questions are for Bishop Orfay. Thank you so much um, for letting us know so that we can keep you in prayer and um, and help in any way that we can. Um, I, I know that the famine is very widespread uh, throughout Sudan. Can you explain what's going on? Is there any relief coming in uh, in the midst of the war? Yeah, um, most of international uh, organization were banned by the former government of Sudan to come in. And uh, the only thing we have, we have Samaritan Purse, uh, who is uh, um, getting food to the people in Nuba. And they cannot come to Nuba, but uh, they use the local people from South Sudan. They can bring food. And also the Episcopal Church where I serve, sometimes we, we give also some food. If I get some money, uh, we will buy food and we give it to the people. Uh, that's the only organization I know so far. And uh, WHO uh, was trying, uh, Food World Program was trying to come in, but they have never yet succeeded. They, they're still talking about that because we are not yet in peace. We are in a state of no war, no peace. So Israeli authorities, the authorities, they keep their territory and um, the UN was not allowed even to come. Uh, they have tried many times, even for me, I've tried the headquarter, but they said they cannot come without uh, government of Sudan is allowing them. Uh, this is the only two organizations that we, we are helping people. And the Samaritan Press is operating from South Sudan. And then the local people will, will go because they are not allowed to go to Nuba Mountains. The government will try to kill them. And the government is still telling people, this is our territory. You don't need to be, uh, you don't need to intervene. So they, they want people to starve to death. That's the policy and not allowing any um, mm. Organization to be in the Nuba Mountains or any plane, they can't allow it to be in Nuba Mountains up to today. Um, there are thousands of Americans still in Sudan, uh, throughout Sudan. Uh, why are they there? What have they been doing? And what attempts uh, in evacuation? The airport still in Khartoum working. Uh, what's happening with the evacuation of Americans? Yeah, I, I want you guys to differentiate these two places. Why I'm serving the government of Sudan cannot come. This is area controlled by the opposition army. And in Khartoum, this is the territory of the government of Sudan. Um, but the evacuation was done through uh, two areas. They got people in different points in Khartoum, and then they drive them on land by bus to Port Sudan. Port Sudan is a little bit in the near Red Sea in the eastern of Sudan. So they drop people there. It is like 12 hours driving. And, and from there, they can fly them or they can 
take them through ship to Saudi Arabia or other places. So this is how they, and there is another uh, airstrip, um, also small with the military in the north of Omdurman. And some, some planes also landed there to, to take people for evacuation. So even though there is some still gunfire, but they are, the, two, the two groups are help the people to, to evacuate their citizens from Sudan. But still many people, still many people have not just, just yet evacuated. I don't know what is going to happen because the three days of ceasefire is ending today. We don't know what's going to happen next. Um, uh, Faye, you mentioned how many Americans are still in Sudan and uh, what was their role in Sudan until yeah, now? I had heard 16,000 and that would include, you know, the, the people who were at the U.S. Embassy and the, um, the people who were, were contracted for different things. Um, also, when we did lift the sanctions on Sudan, um, the, there, there were um, groups like the Atlantic Council that were pushing business in Sudan and saying that, that we should start getting involved. So I think a lot of those Americans are there for business reasons that they have got, you know, there's gold in Sudan, there's oil in Sudan. So I think it, it might be a lot of business people. In uh, my last question to Faye, uh, I was listening uh, on a program this morning, Gordon Chang, who's an expert in China, uh, an interest in Sudan. And I think he said he wondered whether China was behind stirring some of what's happening in the war. Do you have any knowledge on that? I, I wouldn't at all be surprised because we know China's trying to take over all of Africa and China has done a lot in Sudan. Um, uh, they're probably um, paying people like General Hameti because I know uh, Hameti has been paying uh, people to join his rapid support forces who aren't Sudanese from other countries. And there might even be Chinese soldiers in it. We don't know, but, um, but China has been a problem in both Sudan and South Sudan. They also, when they build things in Sudan and South Sudan, they've been bringing toxic waste from China and burying it under the roads they build. Terrible. They have no concern for the people at all. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, General and, and, and Faye, uh, Bishop and Faye, back to you, Jim. Uh, Bishop, were you saying, uh, uh, the former governor of South Carolina is David Beasley. For a number of years, he's been the leader of the United Nations Food Bank and feeding millions around the globe uh, quite successfully. I don't know if he's being replaced by the current administration or not. He may be. Are you saying that even, even that organization, they do not permit them to come in and, and no. bring food? No. You know what the government, uh, the former government of Islamic government in Sudan was saying? If you are giving food to the people of Nuba, it means you are feeding our enemies. Oh, and in, they just they were contradicting themselves. And they will say, okay, this is our people. Uh, we are responsible for them. You cannot come there unless we accept. Many organizations, they have tried to come, but they were denied, uh, denied the visas. 
even those who want to take the media out, their, their camera was consolidated and uh, they are, they are, some of them, they have broke their cameras. So people of Nuba Mountains, they suffering silently. It is very hard to get the news out. Well, folks, I'm asking you to help spread the word of our brothers and sisters in the Nuba Mountains. Maybe you never heard of Nuba Mountains before tonight, and maybe you didn't know much about Sudan. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please read the show notes for additional details if you would like a copy of the book or resources mentioned. Remember that WellVersed is a 501c3 tax-deductible nonprofit organization. We rely on your support and partnership. Don't forget to hit subscribe to keep up to date with our latest episodes. Leave us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe too. Thank you for listening to the WellVersed podcast. For more information, please go to www.wellversedworld.org.